Hello and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. I'm Brittany. On this episode, we'll be discussing belief in Harry Potter. Before we get into Harry Potter, is there anything that you believe that maybe isn't a commonly held belief? Because the thing that comes to my mind is, I remember when I was taking biology in high school and we were learning all about the brain and how chemical reactions make up all of the you know, ways that our minds work. It's just something that I've never been able to entirely believe in. Like the idea that everything that we are is entirely chemical processes. I'm not a very religious person overall, so I, I don't know if I'd consider it a soul or more than just consciousness, but like I feel like there is something special about consciousness that is beyond just the chemicals that have, that are going on in my brain and the way that my synapses fire and all that kinds of stuff. I, I just there's something for me that even though I understand that it's scientifically proven and understood, I probably also just don't understand the entirety of the science, <laughs> frankly, but understanding that it is, I don't doubt the science. I just feel like there's something more and mm-hmm. it's hard for me to shake that. No, and that totally makes sense. Uh, and I would agree, but that's where I'm like, is that not commonly held though? Because aren't a lot of people in the world religious? Yeah, you know? of course. Or but... like that believe something more is there and it obviously looks different for different yeah, but it's anti-scientific, and you could argue that True. science and rationality is kind of the basis of modern Western thought. Yeah, sure. Then, in that case, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up non-denominational, Protestant Christian. Yeah, and then when I did question some of the beliefs there, that was interesting, and now I, I still consider myself that even though I don't believe everything that mainstream Christians believe. Mm. So I guess maybe I'm at this very strange Venn diagram (laughs) overlap where it's like, I'm neither just like, oh no, it's only the the science and neither am I like, oh, I believe all of these things. I'm like, "Mm, I think both of you might not have everything right. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, to the point where probably a lot a lot of mainstream Christians might not consider me Christian at all, <laughs> uh, which I'm fine with, whatever. So, yeah. I mean, would you consider them Christian? I mean, I don't think that I can say whether they mm. are or aren't. I can say that some of their actions are unloving, and I do say that frequently. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say that some of the things that some of them believe, I think, is wrong, but I can't really say that somebody is or isn't a part of what they consider themselves to be, you mm-hmm. know? So. So wise. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, why don't we get into our analysis of belief in Harry Potter? Yeah. So to start off, we have a quote. This is a conversation between Harry and Dumbledore. Um, and this is at the end of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows when they are in King's Cross or... Some sort of place like that. Exactly. And so Harry speaks first to Dumbledore. Is this real? Or has this all been happening inside my head? Of course it is happening inside your head, Harry, but why on earth should that mean that it is not real? Yeah. So we, we thought this quote was interesting because it kind of shows some parts of belief that 
well, one, what we've just been talking about, and mm-hmm. two, that there can be very much a part of belief that is not verifiable, and it's, yeah, it can be a, a faith part rather than, I believe this because it has been proven, mm-hmm. it's more I believe this even though it has not been. Yeah, and, and I almost feel like, does belief need to be something that can't be proven? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't believe that two plus two is four. It just is. But then that also you comes... You don't believe it? <laughs> <laughs> then that also comes with Should things that... we add that... science to one of, yeah, our, right? <laughs> one of our topics? Provability. <laughs> but that's the thing, is that there are some things that can be scientifically proven that are not believed in by people, right? And then there, do you use belief? to describe that so versus delusion (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's just it's an interesting thing that perhaps we'll we'll see as we go through harry potter yeah but it also i think the quote brings up interesting ideas of people's brains work differently Mm. right and they experience something differently so yeah exactly they also interact with the world differently right and so two Mm -hmm. people may see the same thing but believe different things happened or happened differently uh, mm-hmm. based off of their own experiences and their our own brain chemistry, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the interesting thing, too. Like, we can be so, like, convicted and so, like, staunch in our perspectives. But at the end of the day, everything we think and feel and experience, it's all just happening in our head. And that doesn't make it not real, but also maybe it doesn't make everything entirely real either, so... Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the fog of King's Cross and <laughs> maybe Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, did you bring a character? I did. And my character, in fact, is Dumbledore. Oh, hey, I know that guy. Yeah, you do? I do. You introduce us? Yeah, me and Albie. We hang out <laughs> all the time. Cool. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't call him Bussy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He does not like being called Bussy. Dory? Dumbly. Dumbly, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, basically, I wanted to choose him because he's so intelligent and he's so magically powerful and capable, but he's also so reliant on beliefs that aren't always wise. Mm. And I would say that they're not always wise when we step back, but they end up being wise because they work out Mm. right but if they didn't work out it'd be like well of course that was why did you believe that right and so some examples would be like his belief in snape Mm. and his belief that snape had actually turned sides and that he changed and that he wouldn't turn back again Mm -hmm. that's risky and then also you know that snape would sacrifice what he'd never sacrificed before like in the end that he would give his life for this person that he hated Mm -hmm. that's that's a lot of belief and that he would kill him because if not that would have gone really far south for draco and everything (laughs) ever yeah that would like antarctica Uh uh-huh really south (laughs) yep as south as you can get yeah that's totally true (laughs) anyways also dumbledore had a lot of belief in harry Mm -hmm. first of all that he could even trust in harry to begin with because growing up in the environment he grew up in he 
turned out amazingly, even though he can be a little brat sometimes. But like in general, coming from that sort of abuse and being that caring Mm -hmm. and loving is wouldn't necessarily be expected, right? That's not something you can expect. And like, yeah, his belief that he would do the loving thing in the end and that he would like walk into death. (laughs) Like, He also like even going back further into his youth, so much of him had beliefs that were that were a strong part of his character like even in the deathly hollows mm-hmm. you know he believed in his own abilities too even when that was like to his own detriment or potentially detriment of the world when he's like oh well i think i have enough time to tell harry everything that he needs to know oh wait you don't like <laughs> you know but he thought that he would be fine and no one would draco wouldn't figure out a way to get any death mm. eaters and and I think it's also interesting, he's an interesting character because he's one of the only ones, like, main characters that we see do an actual kind of 180 in their beliefs from his, for the greater good, Mm -hmm. it's okay if we put some limitations on muggles and whatnot to, no, we need to protect muggles and we need to not allow somebody who... I mean, multiple times, right, with Grindelwald and then later with Voldemort. We need to stop them because what they're doing is evil. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think that Dumbledore, he puts a lot of faith in things that he cannot know. And even the fact that Harry could come back after being hit by the killing curse, that that would kill Voldemort's Mm -hmm. horcrux in him, but Harry might be able to survive it. I think was something that he himself says that, you know, I had a a feeling that that was going to be the case because of all these reasons, but a lot of it was just belief in in himself and his, his own kind of reasoning, but also in the fact that that would ultimately be what happens, that Harry would himself sacrifice himself and then all these other things. And that is a lot to put on something that could have gone a different way. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons why I... I have some problems with Dumbledore is because I feel like he does operate so much on belief and he puts the things that he believes on other people. He doesn't let them know about his ideas or his beliefs. He kind of just expects them to go along with them. He trusts himself so much, but he trusts others so little. Exactly. Except when he trusts them seemingly to an absurd degree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, no, I think that's a really interesting point because can we see a difference between how he trusts people and how he believes in people? Like, he believes that Harry will do the right thing when he's called upon to do so, but he doesn't trust Harry... With information. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, there's Which a really... was probably a good call. No, uh, in, for in sure. The, that part. Should he have t- told him more? Yes. Yes. In some senses. Yeah, yeah. He should not have been telling him when he was 11. True. Well, and also <laughs> mind connection with Voldemort. Yeah. You makes know, sense. There's that part. But there's definitely, I think, some, uh, a lot of element there of him, because he is so strong and comfortable in his own beliefs, him not sharing those beliefs with other people is in a way manipulative and that's Mm -hmm. something that that i i find problematic about his character which i think makes him as a character a really interesting character Mm -hmm. right like i i I love the writing of dumbledore i just you don't want him as your grandpa (laughs) exactly right (laughs) or i I would be 
I just have some problems with the decisions that he makes, and I think that, that makes a good character because there's no character in Harry Potter who I don't have some problems with the decisions that they make, other than like Luna yeah. Lovegood because she's the best. <laughs> I mean, even some of the things she believes. <laughs> true. I could have just talked. I thought about talking about her, but I was like, nah. <laughs> I have to go. We've never talked about Dumbledore. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that that's a really good call. Um. So yeah, I think he's a really interesting character to kind of see through this perspective particularly that yeah that i've never really thought about that kind of difference between belief and trust in the way that he he engages with people because mm. he also doesn't trust snape with a lot of the information certainly you see in some some of the flashbacks some uh lack of knowledge yeah well that's an interesting question too does dumbledore believe in himself mm. because he didn't to have all three of the deathly hallows right like mm-hmm. later on well, that's the thing is, I think that Dumbledore trusts himself more than he wants to. I think that his general mode of operation is to trust in his own ability and decisions. But I also think that he has seen the folly of trusting in himself too much. And that's probably something that is one of his major conflicts within mm-hmm. himself, is having to kind of ensure that he's being a curb on himself. Yeah, it's interesting, and I and I think for me with his character, I kind of interpret his more ambiguous, open sort of positioning on certain things as maybe having come from his past where he was so confident and he mm. was so assured in what he was doing was right when obviously he changed his perspective. And so, like... That he thinks music is one of the best types of magic and things like that that are so almost like ethereal and kind of like hippie, loosey goosey <laughs> sounding, you know? But like, that's for me, it sounds like he's come to hold things more loosely and be more okay with that ambiguity, mm. possibly because of that. At least that's how I interpret it because that's what, like what's happened to me. I I'm much more, my natural self is to be very like this is right, this is wrong, like this is true, this is not true and then coming to be much more like, well there's all sorts of interpretations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I think that's a really interesting interpretation of Dumbledore. I'm, I'm interested in kind of diving more into that as I reread them, reread them for, for the, the rest next of your time. life. Yeah, exactly. Re 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 read them. Thank you for that. I'm sure it made great audio. Yes. Yes. I won't be cutting it out. Um, Okay, well, why don't we move on to your plot point? Okay. The plot point I wanted to bring was the fact that often people believe the best in others in the Harry Potter series. Mm. And I think that some of the people who we see having the most faith in just general humanity tend to be the people who have gone through the worst. Mm. And the three I, I, I point to are Harry, Sirius and Neville, all of whom have experienced such awful things in their lives. Harry abused until he was 11, lost his parents when he was a kid, orphaned, you know, having to deal with this battle that he's destined to take part in. Neville having had his parents tortured into a mental health ward 
for his entire life and being told that he might be a squib and all these other kinds of things and Sirius coming from a dark family yeah, that still he having, broke with being bullied. yeah exactly and then yeah, being bullied at Hogwarts, Hogwarts yeah. Sirius coming from a, a dark family that he breaks from so much so that he runs away when he's a teenager and lives with the Potters and then at the age of 21 is put into jail for 13 years you know like mm-hmm. for something that he didn't do and then when he does come out is on the run until he dies and so i think all of them kind of go through these really awful traumatizing events in their lives but i think all of them also have a faith in humanity and a belief in the goodness of people that i find really interesting and inspiring because harry obviously as you were mentioning he comes from the dursleys but he somehow is still caring and loving to everyone right and he is someone who is going to try to rescue Fleur's sister because that's <laughs> the right thing to do. And it doesn't matter whether he likes Cedric or not, he's going to tell him about the task. And at the very end, he is going to try to, still to the end, talk Voldemort down and give him the chance to surrender. And not raise his own wand, which I love about the books, is yeah. that he doesn't cast a spell. You know, it's Voldemort's own spell rebounding on himself. And I think that that just shows Harry's, yeah, Harry's faith in people. And you could even see it with him sparing Wormtail, which is the one time that, that Sirius does not have that same kind of faith because he's felt that kind of betrayal. But Sirius is the one who's like, people aren't good people in Death Eaters. There's like, there's room in between. And I think that that he definitely still has, especially after his time in prison, has some cynicism about people. But he also is someone who, from the his young age, he was someone who could not live in a house that was racist and elitist and all these other kinds of things. And he's not like a Malfoy who leaned into it until it cost him, right? It cost him to break from that and then neville's just the best (laughs) best boy neville best boy neville longbottom (laughs) Um, you know neville is so kind and friendly with harry and ron and hermione and everyone else that you see even though he has no real friends as we discussed in the friendship episode right like they aren't good friends to him and yet he... I mean, maybe Hermione is, but... That's, that's true. It. We don't see on page very much, but yeah. Um, <laughs> As in she's, like, the only person who doesn't laugh at him <laughs> in Gryffindor common room when he comes in and he's been, like, hexed. She's certainly the best to yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's just, I think, such a uh, testament to his character that he continues to be giving and he continues to fight for people even when Harry's not there. Even before he kind of gained the confidence that he got by book seven, in book five, he goes with Harry because he wants to help his friends and he wants to be there for Harry in ways Harry has not been there for him. And mm-hmm. I just think that that's, that's really interesting. And so I, I just, I think it's interesting to see characters and you could also, I think, expand this to other characters who've gone through horrible things like Lupin and, and others, but that the characters who often have some of the worst things happen to them still have this interesting belief in people. Hmm. Well, that's that's what's interesting, because I do wonder, do you think that he believes the best in Bellatrix? If Bellatrix were going to come up to him and be like, 
I'm sorry for what I did in the past. I want to change. Do you think that he would believe that? Because I don't know that I do. I think that Harry, 100%, that is part of him. And I think that is part of what makes him so wonderful. I don't know that he believes the best in people, but I think he believes that people can change. Mm -hmm. And I think that he believes, like, even though sometimes he does want to hurt people (laughs) in his anger, he believes that no one should be killed. You know, those are the actions that he takes time and time again. And so I do believe that of Harry. But yeah, I do wonder with like Neville, would he believe the best in some of them? And, And with Sirius, I think sometimes... Like, I don't think he believes the best in Snape. Mm-hmm. And he didn't believe his family could change either. Hmm. That's a good point. Not that I'm saying, oh, yeah, stay in the family that's, like, <laughs> racist and terrible. At the same time, there's no indication that even after, you know, way after the fact, he ever thought, could I have done something to help my family yeah. change? And not that it's his responsibility or anything like that. It's just, you know, the attitude and clearly, I mean, he didn't know what happened with Regulus mm-hmm. and but that makes the it, amazing decision he made in the end. That makes that even more tragic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just kind of wonder, but... Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but they do, I mean, they do... They are less cynical about the world than I would be if I were in their position. For we'll sure. say that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and honestly, if I had character, I would have brought Harry for this reason. Because mm-hmm. I think he is the best example of mm-hmm. this. Um, but I did kind of see a pattern of this happening yeah. with, with other characters as well. But on your point about, yeah, forgiving Bellatrix or, or forgiving these characters, I think Harry could because Harry forgives Dudley, right? Mm-hmm. Or he, he at least gives him the yeah like you said the the belief that he can change or that he can be better mm-hmm. and having a belief at least in the possibility of goodness in people i think is something that that's amazing and uh and something i really admire about him that is something i find interesting about hermione though because with all of the knowledge she has with how she's been treated by some people in the wizarding world you would think that she would be quite cynical as well mm-hmm. and she believes in people a lot too you know mm. like even creature where it's like he's treating her horribly she she's like compassionate to him and you know doesn't believe the worst in him just because of that that's true but i also think that if creature was a human treating her that way she would not put up with this the same way which i think is is partially a romanticization of house elves but is also partially a way of actually being compassionate to his lived experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I agree to some extent, but I think she always has hope for people. And, like, even though Malfoy has treated her that way, I don't think that she would just be like, oh, he can never change and he should have the Dementors kiss, you know? like. And even when they're like, oh, Snape is the worst and he, and yeah, he's doing abusive things. But she's like, Dumbledore trusts him, so like we have to, you know? Like, yeah. So I think she has a bit of that in her too. Mm. Well, why don't we go on to our questions? So my question is, where do you see beliefs impacting and or causing conflict in interpersonal relationships? That's an interesting question. Um, that was my intent. <laughs> compelling, even. <laughs> <laughs> Some might say that. Well, I think a really clear example is 
between Seamus and Harry. Mm-hmm. Where Seamus's mother not believing Harry's story is something that causes a huge rift. And the flip side of that is Luna believing Harry's story is what starts a bond between them. Oh my god, that's probably my favorite Luna line. Yeah. The... When she just like walks up to him and like he barely knows her. I believe that Voldemort rose again and you fought him in the graveyard. <laughs> and even so he's amazing. like, uh, thanks, Luna. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like, this isn't necessarily the the, the, the person. one person I want to be telling me this. But who it, also believes in Nargles. So. But it shows, I think, a lot of her personality as well, mm-hmm. right? And her character. And that book is so much about belief in people. And I think that... That's one of the things that the DA is also important for. It's not just about fighting against Voldemort or whatever, but it's a concrete example of a group of people who believe in Harry so much that they are willing to break rules and even train almost as soldiers in his fight. And I think that that helps to have him appreciate some of those relationships more. Certainly Neville, Luna, Ginny... But even Ernie McMillan, I think, mm-hmm. being a part of the DA, gives Harry appreciation for him. Well, and maybe why the trio is so close, because they're the people who always believe him, except sometimes Ron. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and obviously Ron's uh, <laughs> Ron's belief or not has, has obviously had some clear implications as well for their relationship, um, particularly when he didn't believe him about the Goblet of Fire. Yeah. Right, causing yeah. the tension. Of course. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. What, what were you thinking? I was thinking a lot of things, but I had time to think about this ahead of time. <laughs> so one would be the Dursleys, because they want to not believe in magic mm. and not believe in anything out of the ordinary. They have such strong beliefs of what should and shouldn't be that when people are outside of those, it is so hard for them to interact with them. For them, when this belief of like how things should be comes to a head with how things are, they got like more narrow to hate rather than like more open to love. And to me, I see that so much in the world. Your beliefs come to a head with other people or groups of people or religions or whatever it is and it's just like this narrowing and closing in rather than like opening up Mm. Uh, so I really saw that for them and I also saw it with Fudge he was like oh Harry my boy like oh this is so great we'll protect Harry up until the point where he's like I don't believe Voldemort came back he's saying he did and because he's saying it that could cause you know, pandemonium. So now I'm turning against him and turning all of the media against him and everything based on this belief that Voldemort has not returned, Voldemort will not return, and now this child is a liar. And I think also a very not talked about and strangely misremembered part would be Marietta Edgecombe. Hmm. The fact that even Harry Potter fans nowadays still think that she just ratted them out. She didn't rat them out. Umbridge gave her Veritaserum, and there was nothing she could do but tell where the DA was practicing. And the belief that 
she had just been a snitch created so much conflict that obviously Harry was a total butt to Cho about it. And not that, half a butt, a total butt. A total butt. Whole the and whole all. thing. <laughs> Both cheeks. <laughs> and, you know, that ended their relationship because of that, but that also made it so that she wasn't involved in any of the things that she could have been involved mm-hmm. in and could have been helping with. And it ruined their relationship with Marietta because all these people believe that she was just a liar and people still think that now harry potter fans where i'm just like yeah. what are you saying when, yeah when <laughs> she she's wasn't... truly a victim you know mm-hmm. and she in that victimization though it, it wasn't the intention hermione's spell leaves scars on her face and she is imperious and loses her agency right imperious. yeah by uh by kingsley shacklebolt in dumbledore's office that's right yeah Right? I forgot. That's a double violation. Yeah, exactly. And oh god. Yet yeah. she is vi- villainized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Really good point. Don't believe women. I never do. <laughs> <laughs> good question. Well, what is yours? Is yours as good as mine? Probably not. My question. I'm used to it. Is do you think that if Dumbledore had explained to Harry? why he trusts Snape. He had actually told him the story that hmm. Harry would believe. Uh, so about, I trust him because he came to me, he loved your mother. Mm-hmm. and So like if he had told him that before Snape killed him. Yes. Didn't he also tell him that Snape has to kill me? <laughs> Probably, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, if he told them that, and Snape has to kill me for this reason, then I think he might. But even, I'd say, before Dumbledore died. In the sixth year when he was having these meetings Mm -hmm. and Harry was coming up and being like, Snape's in on Malfoy's plan. Mm -hmm. Instead of Dumbledore being all like, this this matter's closed, Harry. He was just all like, all right, let me lay it all out for (laughs) you. (laughs) I think it wouldn't have been like, I 100% believe. But like, I think it would have been over the halfway point to Mm -hmm. like tip the scale. Because I think so much of Harry's readiness to think the worst of Snape is based on how Snape treats him, Mm. which is understandable. Totally. But I think part of that could be explained through his background. And if he explained several different things that Snape had done, then maybe that would have changed something. Mm. You know, because when Quirrell explains that to him at the end of The Philosopher's Stone, he believes it. And he's just like, oh, well, then Snape's just a git, but he's not, like, a traitor. I think the killing of Dumbledore, if he didn't know about that ahead of time, would probably change everything. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think that he would have. I think that would have been very difficult for him <laughs> yeah. to, to continue to believe. But I also wonder if he would have believed only hearing it and not experiencing it. I think that the pensive is not only helpful as a way of providing exposition and narrative where we can actually go back and see memories instead of just having them described to Harry. But I also think that I could see Harry's empathy kind of really clicking 
because he he experienced those memories of Snape's. It wouldn't have the same gravitas if if Dumbledore was all like, yeah, believe me. The other day he cast his Patronus and it looked just like your mom. It was ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like, but seeing it after a <laughs> His mom argument, was a doe? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> after seeing, I think, those memories all kind of put in succession. Maybe Snape really just had a crush on James. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well should we move down to our missed opportunities we should so mine is that there's no real like religion that we know of in like the wizarding world it's my missed opportunity oh hey i got to go first we can just both talk about it so they celebrate christmas Mm -hmm. and halloween not in an overtly religious way at all still how did wizards start to participate in this mm-hmm. like valentine's day yes there is that too so they celebrate with some of the saints mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah there's not anything really mentioned outside of that there are no other just like purely like wizard holidays mm-hmm. that we see in the books or traditions that would be based on yeah some type of faith in other powers or Mm. or whatnot everyone has a creation myth for the origin of something whether that is religiously based or scientifically based but they don't have that like where what's the origin of magic yeah i totally agree and and i think for me this particularly came up because we are rewatching The Good Place now mm-hmm. that season four is out. And the ideas of morality so often come from belief. And oftentimes this can be literal, like, my God told me to live this way. But many times it also has, just has to do with the idea of what an afterlife is, which is also a kind of belief, right? Mm-hmm. And so even if they take out a deity, there are these otherworldly elements that often will affect the way that people live their lives. And so I wish that there was some idea of how the moralizing of the wizarding community, what it's based off of, right? What kind of philosophical, theological, other kinds of beliefs are brought into that, you know? The two anthropology classes I've taken, like, make me think like, oh, and so what is it about their society that has led to these beliefs, and you know, or, or mm-hmm. might contribute to these beliefs, right? Yeah. And... I think that all that's really interesting, and I, I just wish that that was explored a little bit more. Like, this is where Tolkien gets me, because, like, he <laughs> he has this kind of stuff locked down, right? He has looked through the cosmology of these different peoples and why and how they are different from each other and how they're similar and all these other kinds of things and what they believe and why. And we just don't get that in, in the Harry Potter mm-hmm. world, which ultimately especially with the celebration of those holidays and and they even say like my god sometimes and things like that Mm -hmm. it harkens back to a christianity right as a kind of generic default and that i i I mean it makes sense for britain right it does Mm -hmm. but i guess i wish that there was an actual engagement with it for sure and like i think also it shouldn't be some monolithic system of oh, all of the wizards and witches believe this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not how religion works. So I think that could have been interesting too to see different factions and 
and conflicts that could happen like that. I mean, how it could be interesting if even some pure blood rhetoric could mm. be based in something like that. And I think it would have definitely made it richer. And I think also it could have been really cool to have actual characters with different religious backgrounds because really that's not gone on into it all either and what would it be like for those characters to have grown up in a christian or a muslim or a you know hindu or jewish background and then at when they're 11 years old be told like oh magic is here (laughs) like these things that they've been told Mm -hmm. does not exist and and how would that either cause them to reject the beliefs that they've grown up with or how would they be able to like merge them where there's like space in their religious understandings for magic to still be a part of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's a missed opportunity. Yes. To the fullest extent of the definition. <laughs> the fullest extent. The fullest extent. So missed. all right well what's your takeaway i have one that doesn't actually have much to do with belief (laughs) cool (laughs) just something that came up to me as we were talking about this and i was like huh how does that work (laughs) okay (laughs) the fact that vernon dursley knows about the magical world before they adopt harry when he is not married to someone who's magical and so how far can that spread underneath the statute of secrecy mm-hmm. right where yeah, he is the sure. brother-in-law of a magical person who he himself has said he doesn't wants nothing to do with and his sister wants nothing to do with but yeah. he knows because i was thinking like first off Wait, how, would, how did that conversation magical? happen or was it did he just believe there was part of like some weird like cult no i think that he knew that there was magic okay so yeah, I, I, I just, I, because sure. I wonder first, how did that conversation happen? Mm-hmm. Was it, she's like, when we get married, <laughs> just want to let you know, <laughs> I have some magic in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, or oh, well, maybe it's because they still got contacted every once in a while. Because, like, she knew that she had a nephew named Harry. That's true. Right? Yeah. So, so it's that like, makes sense, well, too. when an owl brings you a letter. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it's just interesting because yeah, true. when Harry's taken to trial, he's taken to trial for casting Patronus in front of Dudley, his mm-hmm. cousin, who he lives with, as if that is a problem. And obviously that was a kangaroo court. There was like, they're yeah. doing things that... I was going to say that was... <laughs> but it's at least within the law that mm-hmm. that can be illegal, right? And so it makes yeah. me wonder like how much of that has been stipulated. Well, and that's hilarious too, because how can it be illegal? It's like, oh, you did this in front of a muggle when like the muggle already knows. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like he's not breaking any, any statute of secrecy because he's not... <laughs> make, it's no not one's a learning about... <laughs> <laughs> magic here. Yeah. yeah so that was the the big thought that came to my mind during this discussion smell <laughs> and smell it <laughs> really there's just a ton of muggles out there that know <laughs> exactly right <laughs> oh. do you have a takeaway that's a little bit more on topic i feel like my takeaway should be <laughs> that i should not only admire harry but also try to emulate some of his mm. belief in people but that's why i'm debating <laughs> like was, do i want, want that? to do that 
It's the most you thing I've ever heard in my life. I do believe people can change, though, for sure. So if if that's kind of the crux of his, like, belief, then I'm there with you, Harry. Maybe I'm not as... I don't know. Maybe Harry would, like, not be enabling. He'd be like, okay, great. You want to change, Tom? Riddle? Like, you can change, but I'm not going to be friends with you. Tom Riddle, not... Tom the bartender from... Exactly, that's why, that's why I felt like I had to specify. Because um, <laughs> there's still like, you know, I believe that you can change. I believe that you should be treated with love. I also know that I can't do that very well right now. And that doesn't make it okay, but I can't because you've... Tried to murder me so many times. Well, or, yeah, or I, I believe that you can change, but I don't yet trust you that you want to. Yeah. I mean, we both know that Harry would never be this eloquent or wise in his way of saying it, but... I mean, he was also, like, 17. <laughs> That's and true. And I wouldn't have been when I was 17 either. <laughs> I would have. Or, like, a couple of years ago. So... <laughs> You've never been that eloquent. You're still not that eloquent, dear. I'm super eloquent. <laughs> I'm the eloquentist. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. That's a true statement. I believe that's true. Look at I'm believing the best in you. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, yeah, I can be very cynical, so I should probably take some direction from Harry sometimes. Yes. That's always a good idea. Well, that's no, that's often sometimes a good idea. A good idea. <laughs> See, here we go. I say often. Often, I say sometimes. sometimes. Yep, there we go. But also, who's more correct? <laughs> we don't have to believe in that. <laughs> One's just a fact. <laughs> Although a lot of people don't believe in facts, so I guess there's that too. <sighs> On that note, <laughs> why don't you bring up what we'll be talking about next time with Lord of the Rings? So we can see where Tolkien will get you this week. Yeah, exactly. Next week. This is why everyone should have appendices at the end of their fantasy novels <laughs> that goes into the building of the world and I'm the heredity of the characters. I'm sure there'd be a lot less fantasy novels in the world then. <laughs> and I wouldn't blame them. Like, I would definitely have timelines, but I would not have different dialects of a language. <laughs> When, when you read through Lord of the Rings, do you read the appendices? I start to try, and then I get bored. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I've read through all of the appendices once, mm. but I don't even know if that's true. That might be a real lie. <laughs> I don't know. You don't even believe yourself. I know. <laughs> I think maybe I just want to believe that I'm better than I am, because I'm just like, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> Anyways, next week we are going to be looking at Agency. Very cool. This will be interesting. Agency in Lord of the Rings. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines. Or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. For as low as $1 a month, you can support the show just like our amazing donors do. Another way you can support us is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We want to thank Kimberly Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. 
can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for lacelet on facebook instagram or twitter thanks so much for listening we'll see you next week until then geek out